Amen. Well, it's a great day to be here. And yesterday, we sure enjoyed yesterday, that's for sure. And I think we're going to enjoy the whole summer. Uh, one of my projects yesterday for my wife's birthday uh, was to fix the hummingbird feeder. <clears throat> you know, we as Americans, uh, you know, we were founded on rebellion and independence. And I think that in particular in America, we kind of are proud of that. And so, especially as the stereotypical man, we like to fix things. I remember in my marriage, Teresa saying several times, honey, I don't need to be fixed. So I had to take off my fix-it hat, but I wear my fix-it hat quite a bit. So the squirrels had been getting to the, to the squirrel, uh, the, uh, the squirrel feeder. Well, it had become a squirrel feeder. It was the bird feeder. And I was determined, and I don't know how much money I spent on trying to protect the bird feeder, but I finally got it. I finally got it. The squirrels can't touch it. Thank you. Little applause there. Um, but what they had figured out to do is how to get the hummingbird, well, it's just sugar water, out of the hummingbird feeder by getting on it, tipping it sideways, and drinking from one end. Well, I, well, I was upset because I can fix that too. And so I just want to announce, in all humility, I fixed it. Well, it's kind of the opposite of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, turn over to John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 19. Very truly I tell you, Jesus said, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus says He can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing. Now, I think that some people that don't know the rest of Jesus' teachings would think that Jesus is saying He's kind of a puppet and whatever God pulls, He does and whatever God pushes, He pushes. And He just does, you know, God kind of controls Him. But that's not at all what the Bible teaches. That's not at all why Jesus came. He didn't come to be controlled by God. He actually came as a human to relate to us. As we've shared before, if you really want to relate, you have to become that person. And so, in the same way that sparrows won't listen to you uh, when a cat is trying to grab a sparrow, if you become a sparrow and do the right tweet, then the birds will all fly away and the cat can't get them. And so Jesus became human. He became just like us, all the frailties that we have. He became. And so we know that when Jesus says that He can only do what His Father is doing, it's not because God's forcing Him to do anything. It's because Jesus is simply choosing to do whatever God does. In fact, the degree that, that Jesus is choosing to do whatever the Father does the degree is, he says, he can do nothing on his own. I'm blown away by that. Because that's not me. Um, Jesus is saying he can do nothing. I'm like, nothing? Really? Nothing? Well, he simply chose to do nothing on his own will. He could have. He could have called down 10,000 angels. But he simply chose to do whatever God's will was. 
I mean, Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are. And yet He chose to not sin. Like, how can you do that? How can any human do that? Well, the only way Jesus did it, because He was fully human and fully God, the only way Jesus did it, being fully human, was to simply choose to always do what the Father would do. So, He was tempted. He was tempted with what? Everything. But He simply chose to do what God wanted Him to do. And so He became totally dependent on the Father. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. Dependent on God. What does that mean? Dependent on God. Because we see that in Jesus. That He was so dependent on God. He was so obedient to God that His conviction was, I do nothing. He could have done anything, but I do nothing. Look at uh, verse 30. Same chapter, John 30. And verse 30. By myself, I can do nothing. Again, it's a choice. He could have done anything. But look at his conviction here. By myself, I can. In other words, I choose to do nothing. He goes on to say, I seek not to please who? Myself, but him who sent me. He's actually admitting here, and of course he's a human, both God, fully God, and fully human. He's saying his human side has a will. He wants to please Himself. Jesus wanted to please Himself. But He's saying, I seek not to please myself. I mean, for me, I'm always seeking to please myself. If you go to my house, I mean, this is a terrible confession, but I'll go ahead and share it. If you go to my house, you'll see a lot of pillows. They're not decorative. I like pillows. I like shoving pillows everywhere. Pillows on my back, pillows on my neck, pillows on my side, pillows under my thighs, pillows everywhere. It's a little embarrassing. Now, next time you're at my house, you're going to look for the pillows. Yeah. Jesus said, I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Wow, that is challenging. That is not how I am. And I don't think that's how we are in general. What do you think? Do you think you always choose to do God's will so that you can say, I can do nothing? I seek not to please myself? I mean, in general, that's our goal. Of course, that's our goal. But we fall short so much. But it's because we're not dependent on God the way Jesus was. And we are a group of very talented people. We, we are the people that have been the most educated in the history of mankind. We are talented. We have skills. We can travel so anywhere we want to travel. Most of the people in the ancient world only, only knew a 20-mile radius of where they lived. That's all they ever visited was 20 miles with, within where they lived because that's a walking distance. So they'd walk and then they'd come back. Because they just had their home. But we, we can go anywhere. We can pull out our phone and we can, for free, for free, we can video chat with people in Antarctica or Tokyo. I don't know how many of us, I believe a lot of us can remember how expensive international phone calls were. Do you remember that? As a kid, I couldn't even call 
I couldn't even call the city next door because it was too expensive. My parents were like, no, 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 no. Calling Missoula, that's way too much. Ex- that's, that's way too, too costly. And then I remember I'm at one point wanting to call my parents and because they were in Europe at that time. And it was like, why are you calling us? It's too, I said, but our house was robbed. But this phone call is expensive. But our house was robbed. You know, we can do so much. But you know what? We have to consider this. Maybe we have too much power to really depend on God. What's interesting is people whose power has been taken away from them really go to God. Have you noticed that? When I was in Africa, the greatest people of faith that I worked with were the people that had nothing. They had dirt floors, and at the most, their roof was pieces of metal and pieces of plastic. They had dirt walls. And they were so happy, and they were so content, and they were so grateful for their little place. It was one room. They had a stool, and they had a basin, and they had one little cooking thing, and maybe a utensil. And when I visited, they were so honored they would go out and buy a Coca-Cola. Now, first of all, I don't like Coca-Cola. Second of all, that, that was a lot of money for them to go out and buy a Coca-Cola. Because they only had meat once a week because they couldn't afford to have any meat other than once a week. They ate greens and they ate maize meal. But I couldn't refuse it because to them it was such an honor to have me. I couldn't say no, so I drank the Coca-Cola. But the point is, they had nothing. And yet they were totally dependent on God. They saw that God gave them what they had and God was the provider of everything that they had. Maybe as Americans... We just like to fix it too much because we have too much power to fix it. And we don't need God so much as the Africans do or as people of the past. It's just something to consider. You know, the truth is that everything Jesus is asking us to do is far beyond our ability to do. Let's look at some of these things. Here's three of them right here. Three of the things that Jesus asked. And this is just beyond loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. Making disciples of all nations. Easy or hard? How hard? Very. Can we do it without God? No. We have to be totally dependent. How about love your enemies? Is that easy? Oh, I find it really easy to love my enemies. Can you teach me? That's hard. We can only do that depending 100% on God. Only God can do that through us. How about deny yourself daily? Forget about it. We can't do that. Only through God. The next, the next three. Take up your cross daily. Take up your excruciation daily. Now, living the Christian life isn't excruciating, but there are moments. But the biggest battle we have is our will. That's where it becomes excruciating. What we want to do and what we know Jesus wants to do and it conflicts and we battle it and we fight it. The fact is, there's no way we can take up our cross daily without total dependence on God. Isn't that right? Follow Jesus daily. Same thing to imitate Jesus. Do not worry. Who of us cannot worry? We have to have God. We have to be totally dependent on God. The beauty is this. When we do become... 
totally dependent on God, when we mature to that point where we're totally dependent on God, we won't even want to worry. It'll just be a joy to follow and imitate Jesus. The next three. Do not resist an evil person. Hard or easy? Oh my goodness. That's so difficult. Give up everything you have. That's hard for everybody. Here's the one that... Here's the clincher. I don't even want to say it. But you can read it. I can't do that. I can try, but I fail. Every day, I fail. The only way I'm going to grow in this is to totally depend on God. Everything we're being called to do by Jesus is completely beyond our ability to do successfully. You know, more than often, what we say to Jesus is, hey, I got this covered. I can do this. I can fix this. Hopefully, I'm not the only one that does this. You know, we don't want to bother God with little requests. God, you know, God is doing a lot. I don't want to have to bother God. I hear, I hear this a lot. I even feel this. I don't want to bother God with these little things. But it's the little things that get in the way. The little things that I really battle. And bottom line is, is that not pride? It is. You know, possibly the greatest impediment to total dependence on God is pride. In order to be totally dependent on God, we've got to deal with it. Because it ain't going away. I don't know anybody that doesn't have to deal with pride. I've never met a person that hasn't been proud or prideful or whatever form you want to say of the word pride. It's always there. With some people, it's really nice pride. But it's there. Some people you can tell, now about you know. Yeah, I see some people smiling because they know they're the smiling type. Pride? What pride? Uh, Yeah, that's the problem. You know, I thought about this a lot preparing for this message. Do I ever recognize my pride? I'm not sure I do. I don't know. Because all I see when when I have been proud is all I see is that somebody had to point it out to me. That's all I see. And chances are you're the same way. All of us are the same way. That we don't even see. We're the last ones to see our pride. You know, one of the, one of the problems with pride is 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. So let's turn over there. There's a, there's a problem with pride for a Christian. Well, for anybody, honestly but especially a disciple of Jesus who wants to be like Jesus because a disciple is someone who really wants to be like Jesus. I want to imitate Him. And even though we fall short, we fall short. Peter fell majorly short. All the apostles fled. They fell majorly short. Sinned in a big, big, big way. And yet Jesus reconciled all of them. He had faith in them. They went, off, went on to turn the whole world upside down in one generation. Pride. What does it say? What... What does it say about pride? What does the Bible teach? This is just 1 Peter 5.5. 5. And this is a quote, by the way, from Proverbs. And it's repeated in James. When you see something repeated, quoted three times in the Bible, you know it's pretty important. God, what? Just is cuddly with the proud. God just thinks it's so cute 
when we're proud. Sometimes we think that. You know, that's kind of funny. It's kind of like, have you ever been, I'm sure you have, in a situation like a grocery store where a child is throwing a major temper tantrum and the mom goes, oh, isn't that cute? He's just throwing a tantrum. And we're like, that's not cute. That kid's going to have a hard time with that. But sometimes we do that with our pride. Somebody points, oh, that's just my pride. That's just my pride. You know, it is counterproductive. Um, it says here, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble or favor to the humble. God is opposing the proud, right? He's actually fighting against you. So it's counterproductive. I have a slide showing how ridiculous this would look. How far are they going to go? Now, she's determined and he's figured out something's quite wrong here. But they're going nowhere. I mean, maybe he can outpower her. Maybe she can outpower him with her determination. But the fact is, it's counterproductive. They're going nowhere. And that's how pride is in our lives. It's counterproductive. How can we succeed being a disciple if God is opposing us? How can we get the favor of the Lord, the grace of the Lord, if God is opposing us? If we're not humble? Because God gives grace to the humble. He favors the humble. He opposes the proud. And, you know, how, how many of us have not wanted to pray the prayer that is always answered? This is the prayer that always gets a really quick answer. How many of us, yeah, I see somebody doing this already. How many of us have refused to pray the prayer, God humble me? See, I was even afraid to say it now. Because it works. We, we don't want our pride to go anywhere because we know what it's going to take to get it gone. It's going to take a lot of pain to get the pride out of our life. So we just don't want it. But would we say this? Would we admit this? When we're proud, would we admit, oh, that's just God opposing me. That's just God fighting me. That's all. Don't worry about it. No, no, no. I don't have that much pride. I mean, major pride, yeah, God's fighting you. But this is just a little amount of pride. Don't worry about it. Uh, you know. God opposes the proud. So in our dependence on God, if we're proud, there's no way we're going to be dependent on God. Because when, when we can fix it, when it's all about us, that's just pride. I don't know if any of us really recognizes our pride. I remember the first time it was pointed out to me in a major way. I'd moved to New York City. I'd been a disciple for four years. Yeah, four years, and I moved to New York City. Five years, moved to New York City. And I sat down in a leadership group, and I made a comment in the group that somebody said, wow, you're getting really defensive. And I said, no, I'm not. And I, they said, wow, you got a lot of pride in your life. You're pretty pr prideful. I go, actually, no, I'm not. Um, I actually know myself pretty well, and you guys just met me. Um, and I know I'm not. Well, you can imagine where that talk went. By the end, I thought, they couldn't all be wrong. I was still thinking they were wrong until the last person, and I thought, they all couldn't be wrong. I I've got to have a lot of pride in my life. So I started asking people to point it out. Hey, let me understand it. I didn't get it. I really didn't get it. 
And so until people really explained it, this is what pride is. I mean, pride isn't just being a proud American. It, it's because that's not wrong to be proud of your kids or anything like that. But but pride where it's just self-sufficiency or I, I can handle it on my own. I don't need people in my life. It's ridiculous. You can't be a Christian and have that attitude. You need people in your life. God created all of us to need people, mostly to need God. So we have to admit we need to be totally dependent on God to be successful. We need to strive toward that. We're never going to be perfectly dependent like Jesus because Jesus was perfect. He chose to do it, but unfortunately, we've already blown it is the fact. But at least we can choose that. And the problem is, of course, with humility, you know, if we can't be humble before fellow disciples that we do see, how can we be humble with God who we do not see? We've got to learn how to do it. And the fact is, either we seek humility on our own or God may just force it on us. You know, pride don't thrive, humble don't stumble. Pride don't thrive, humble don't stumble. You know, once we address our pride, however, this is the beauty of it. Once we address our pride, then we become far more open to learning and being dependent on God, learning how to be dependent on God, because then we know we need help. We're admitting we need help. We tell other people we need help. And so we're open to all that learning, how to take our dependence deeper by being more obedient. And you know, obedience is not natural. I'm not sure if we have figured that out yet. Obedience is not natural. I mean, for kids in particular, um, there was a, I would just want to share a story that I may have shared before. I don't remember. Mackenzie, I don't remember how old she was when this happened on the beach. She was three. She was four. I don't completely remember. Do you remember? She was five. See, I knew I was right. So she was five. And she was watching a mother and daughter play on the beach. And the daughter was like, no, no, no. And just, you know, argumentative. And the, the mother kept trying to plead with her. And the, the girl's just stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. And Mackenzie was playing with Teresa. And she just went right over to that mom without Teresa knowing what she was doing. She went right over to that mom, looked up at her, and she goes, why doesn't your daughter obey you? You need to teach your daughter to obey. And Therese was... The woman was... And we don't know what happened after that. But we've got to learn how to be humble, how to obey. Because it's not that natural. So I just want to quickly mention three things that Jesus did, how he learned to be more dependent. There's three quick things how Jesus learned to be more dependent. The first one was Jesus embraced his struggles. Look over in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. Jesus embraced his struggles. Of course, we know how. How did he embrace his struggles? By depending on God. Now, he had continuous struggles in his day-to-day life. Major struggles with religious leaders, with disciples, with the public, with his family occasionally, with his emotions, and of course with Satan. Satan was, was just tormenting him constantly. We especially see that in the desert. But he was obedient. 
Obedience is not something that's inherited, by the way. It's something we must learn. Jesus was not just naturally empowered with obedience. He was fully human in every way. But his struggles drove him to depend on God. We see that because he withdrew quite often to what? What does the Bible say? He withdrew quite often to lonely places where he prayed. If the Son of Man had to withdraw to lonely places to pray because of his struggles, how much more do we need to go off and pray because of our struggles? I mean, it's easy to give the list, you know, God, I want this and this and this and this, and please do this, 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 and this. But what's harder is to be really vulnerable, at least for me, to be really vulnerable in prayer. God, I need this and this and this and this. Please help me with this, you know, just strength and courage and faith and dependence. That's what I need. Those are the prayers that are harder to do for me because they're vulnerable prayers where you're just laying it out to God. But that's what Jesus did. You know, when I, tr- when I struggle with major things, I say, please take it away. But Jesus did not say that. Jesus' prayer was more, let me do your will. Let me, let me just strengthen me so that I can do your will. I need more dependence on God personally. So I have to pray, God, give me the strength to do these things. Because that's what I want. So Jesus embraced his struggles. Look over at uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. He not only embraced his struggles by depending on God, but also he fought off temptations daily by depending on God. Here's his humanness again. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. I mean, how hard would that be to be tempted in every way as man is? Jesus went through every single temptation we could possibly go through. You mean Jesus struggled with greed? Yeah. You mean Jesus struggled with selfishness? Yeah. You mean Jesus struggled with adultery and sexual immorality? Yeah, he did. There's, think of the struggles that you have that are the hardest struggles that you deal with. The ones that just you're constantly battling. You know that Jesus had those exact same struggles? I mean, there are some really bizarre but natural human things out in the world that I won't mention because it's just not a great place in church to mention these things. But we know about them. We know about these struggles that are out there, these temptations, and and people are saying, this is just me, this is just how I am. You know, this is just, you know, they defend it. You know, I need to love myself, so I do these things because that's myself. I'm like, wow. You know, that wasn't Jesus. He didn't excuse sin. He didn't excuse any of this stuff. He simply depended on God. His struggles drove him to depend on God. But probably the biggest one is the third one I want to mention, and that's Jesus became dependent on God because he embraced his mission. Turn over to Luke chapter 22, verse 42. 
We all know this. Luke 22:42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Is that natural human behavior? He knew what was happening. He knew the scriptures. He knew how he was going to die. And yet he's saying, yet not my will, but yours be done. He's admitting he had a will here. He was admitting his will differed from God's will. Not my will, but yours be done. And he struggled. He really struggled in the garden. You know, most of the time we see Jesus going off to a lonely place to pray alone. This time, he asked his closest friends to pray with him. He was struggling so badly he wanted his closest friends to be with him. And what were they doing? How many times did Jesus find, catch them sleeping? Three times. In his, in his crisis... Even his friends weren't there. He had to totally depend on God. He couldn't even depend on his friends. He had to totally wrestle and depend on God. Wow. But you know what? He was victorious. His dependence on God led him to the cross. After the garden, you see him being very confident. Before the garden, he was a wreck. But after the garden, after he said, yet your will, not mine be done, he was a different person. He said, hey, rise, my betrayer comes. Judas gave him a kiss. He handled it. Um, one, of the, one of his disciples cut off the, the ear of the high priest with a sword. He said, put the sword away. He was, he was absolutely confident because he had depended on God in the garden. And it led him to the ultimate dependence. And that was the cross. I'm just humbled by that. I'm humbled by that. But you know what Jesus says always is we can do what he did. We can do what he did. We can have that level of dependence on God. We can choose to be that obedient. We can seek God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and submit to God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And every struggle that comes up, what would Jesus do here? And we can choose to do what Jesus did. We have the same power in us to raise Jesus from the dead. That's a lot of power. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to say no to sin. Before I was a Christian, I couldn't say no to sin. It just happened over and over and over and over. And then I became a Christian. And I'm like, whoa, this power is amazing. I was able to con lust. No. Sexual morality. No. Selfishness. No. And then I became an older Christian. And then I forgot all about that. And then I struggled. You know, the beauty is we can go back to that. No, no, jealousy. No, forgive my enemy. Yes. <laughs> Make disciples. Yes. And that's the beauty. Jesus was victorious. And so can we be. We can imitate Jesus. Now we dealt with all his challenges, his temptations, and even his mission to be utterly and completely dependent on God. Jesus said, I can do nothing by myself. And you know what? As we grow in our dependence on God, we're going to see some beautiful things happen in our lives. Some things we like. We're going to see more grace from God. 
And this grace is going to be amazing. It's like, wow, it's just overpowering. Thank God for the grace. We're just going to be saying that all the time because as we grow in our dependence, we just see God working in our life. And it's just grace because we're such sinners. And He's doing this. It's just grace. We're going to have a clear vision for our lives. What's happening to my life? Where am I going? I'm confused. But dependence on God means, oh, I see where Jesus is trying to take me. Ah, not my vision, but your vision be done. And so we're going to have a clear vision of where Jesus is trying to take us when we learn more dependence. And we're going to see God working through us, which is so awesome. When we see God working through our lives, through depending on Him, through submitting to Him, through obeying Him, and we see God do this, it's like we know. What do we say? That was so God. That's what we say, right? Oh, only God could do that. That was so God. And we're going to see that more and more as we depend on, on God. We're going to see miracles happen. And we, how many, who doesn't like miracles? Remember all the miracles you saw when you first got baptized? That was because of your total dependence on God. Maybe we've forgotten. Maybe we need to relearn what this looks like so that we can see more miracles. And God does this and God does that. And we're like, wow. You know, I, it's things that we didn't even pray about. And we're like, wow, I didn't even pray about that. Look what God did there. Because we're being submissive to the Father, the Creator, and to Jesus. And finally, you know, God's love is going to shower down on us. Because the connection is being made deeper and deeper through our submission to Jesus. As we submit more, then the relationship grows. The intimacy grows. The connection grows. The emotional connection grows. And that's what we all want. We don't want a sergeant. We're not looking for a rule maker. We're looking for an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that can only come when you're in Christ. It can only come through repentance, through discipleship, and through forgiveness of sins that comes in baptism. That's where we can get that. You know, I have a vision. I have a vision that we can all grow in this. I vision that all of us can take up this challenge, right? Yeah, not many. I think maybe we're blown away. Are we blown away? Well, if that's true, I want you to go pray about this. If you need my notes, just email me. I'll send the notes. But I want all of us to pray about this and see where God can take us from point A where we are now to point B where God can really take us. And let's take up this challenge. Let's deepen our relationship with God. Because this is going to last for eternity. To be obedient to God is going to last for eternity. To have that relationship, that closeness, the growth. It's a win-win for all of us. So let's take the mantle, let's take the challenge, and let's learn how to depend on God more. Amen? Amen.